Uh, well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone out there in YouTube world listening uh, and watching on the live stream. We can see the, the ticks ticking up, and uh, we certainly appreciate people uh, engaging with us this morning. Um, we're still coming live from the World of Drones and Robotics Congress 2020 here in somewhat sunny Brisbane. Um, and this morning, I'm really excited to have coerced someone to come across uh, from the uh, Trusted Autonomous Systems Defence Cooperative Research Centre. Got Kate Hughes, the Chief Scientist. Morning, Kate. How are you? G'day, Andrew. Nice to be here. Yeah, good to catch up with you guys again. It's yeah. um, we, we sort of engaged, I think, with you guys the first time a couple of years ago when, when I think the CRC was sort of first starting. Yeah, right. It's been a long journey since then. I'm sure it's been a really long journey for you guys. <laughs> hey, um, Kate, before we get too much further, I know a lot of people already know about you and, and know what you're doing, but would you mind just kind of introducing yourself and, and what your role is at the, the TASD CRC? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm the Chief Scientist of the CRC and I'm part of what I call the... Um, uh, you know the the Triforce of um, the Triforce, the Triforce nice. of science leadership at the CRC. Uh, that is Jason Schultz, our CEO; Simon Unger, chief engineer; and myself as chief scientist. Because when you embark on building uh, systems like these, trust is a really, really important part of it. And we can't just have engineers who yep. are in charge of designing systems that they think are fun or interesting or world you know changing without considering well how's the impact on the humans yep how do the human operators um, optimize their performance how do we make sure that when humans are part of these autonomous systems they don't become the moral crumple zone which is to say when the systems go wrong the human gets blamed and you saw that happen with the uber um, self-driving car incident in the united states the self-driving car uh, killed a pedestrian who's walking their bike across the road. Now, that was for a number of reasons. One was they didn't do training on pedestrians going across roads without using the uh, crossings. One was that they reduced the safety threshold on the alerts because the alerts were super annoying and the, um, <laughs> the, test, the test driver um, was annoyed by them. Uh, and another was that the test driver was on their mobile phone at the time that the incident occurred. No problems there at all. No problems problems there at all. all. So there was quite a few problems for that Uber test drive. But when the court case was finished, the only uh, person or entity that really suffered was the human who was on their mobile phone. They got most of the moral blame, not the software engineers, not Uber the company. So Uber basically went about its day, continued doing what they were doing. So we need to address how humans face perhaps undue responsibility for decision making that they weren't a part of and that's how I come in because my background is in uh, philosophy and cognitive science, decision support tools and human factors. So it's about how do you um, figure out what you want first of all, what kind of systems do we want, what kind of problems do we want them to solve, what's our rationale for them, what justifies wanting to have these sorts of systems and then making sure they uh, uphold our values and um, standards and regulatory structures. Yeah, fantastic. And, and that obviously also includes um, ethics and, and those types of things too, around ethical decision-making. I know we always see that graphic every single time. We've got people lying on a train track and someone's getting run over. Um, how, how are you guys grappling with that? Do, do you have ethics advisors? Do you have a board of advisors? How, how are you dealing with that? Yeah, so one of the first um, projects that was set up was the uh, activity on ethics and law of trusted autonomous systems. It was a okay. $9 million set up for seven years. Um, and uh, we have postdocs in place that I have ambitious research programs and the idea with the CRC is we have industry-led projects on the one side of things 
Uh, we have industry-led because we want to accelerate sovereign capability in Australia and we want to support those industries to build sustainable and effective business. And then we have common good activities. So the common good activities are ethics and law and assurance of autonomous systems. So the idea is that any of these companies or our ADF stakeholders or defence or universities um, can uh, integrate with the ethics, legal and assurance work. Okay. And we frame it from the perspective of reducing the barriers to adoption. It's better to think about these things in the beginning. Absolutely, and try and retrospectively refit. Yep. Correct. And um, so when you're doing your systems design, you want to anticipate, even if you don't know what the solutions are exactly at the moment, you always want to anticipate that you might need to have some form of um, overlay or checking system, right? So you've got a system that's calculating certain kinds of trajectories. What kind of verification will you need? How are we going to communicate that verification? Who are the kinds of people who are going to need to see that? How is that data going to be stored? How is it going to be represented? Um, how does it become available in a legal review? Yep. Um, these are always front of mind and we're always communicating with our project teams around making sure they clearly communicate what they're doing and can justify how they're going about doing what they're doing. Okay, great. And I don't want to turn this into a, into an ethics lecture, I guess, but do, does ethics and morals change depending on the use or the client? So do we look at ethics and morals differently in, in a civilian capacity to what we may then try and employ technology in a military-deployed capacity? Or is ethics ethics? I mean, it's a great question, right? Excellent. It's a great question. <laughs> um, and, you know, in philosophy, uh, we often uh, look at ethics from what we call a realist perspective, which is what are the sort of objective facts? Okay. about morality and ethics, right? What are the things that we all can agree on? Yep. And then there's uh, relativism. And okay. relativism suggests, uh, well, there can be cultural differences around mm. ethics, around the things that we think are important and not. So a really good example of relativism is disgust. Okay. Right? So in some cultures and in some religions, um, they have a sort of disgust response if you um, enter a certain space and you haven't um, hygienically cleaned yourself, yep. right? It is unethical to enter certain sacred spaces without having washed your feet or, or you know, um, shown a sort of honourable approach to things. Yeah. Well, in a lot of Western countries, you know, we walk into houses with our shoes on and, and yep. we don't give a stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not considered rude. Um, so there's just a lot of different behaviours that might be considered unacceptable or grating or annoying or disrespectful that may be very, very variable. But there's also a lot of research that indicate that there are some sort of more fundamental ideas that are shared across cultures. And there's yeah. some really interesting work on the anthropology of ethics, okay. which looks to f- try to find the, pl- the things that bind us. And often you find good religious leaders often focus on the things that bind us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that um, relationship, trust, relation, trusted relationships is a really core thing that we focus on because yep. we think um, having a contract between humans to humans or humans to machines or even machines to machines yeah. is a sort of core thing, which is like you try to figure it out. Yeah. So in defence, um, they already have uh, wide-ranging uh, ethical requirements that are built into um, offices when they go through ADFA. Mm. So defence has their own um, ethical behaviour sort of training and expectations. Yep. Um, there's a lot of respect and a lot of, you know, so you look at command, you look at control, you look at the history of the military, there's a lot of ethics built in there that is quite different to the civilian domain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are things in military uses of AI and autonomous systems uh, that are less of a concern in defence than they are in the civilian domain. Yep. But there are things inside defence that are far scarier 
mm. and then separately into Maine. And then there's just non-negotiables that you know we've got to we've got to meet regardless of where we're working. Exactly, yeah. safety, safety. Yeah, that's right. right. So if you've yeah. got a logistics robot that's hoofing around the um, warehouse in the in, in uh, the air force, delivering parts to you know reduce work workload. Yeah. What's well, the same as that same hoofing around logistics robot doing it in the civilian in the Volvo factory or whatever, right? You've still got to meet WHS standards and, and exactly. everything else. So yeah. there's a lot of overlap with ethics. Yep. There are some key differences. The good thing about Australia is that we um, have signed up to be compliant with international humanitarian law and the laws of armed conflict. Yep. Uh, we sign up for Article 36 reviews, which is a specific part of international humanitarian law, which says that any new technologies that are deployed by a military must be able to demonstrate that they can maintain abidance with okay. international humanitarian law. What does that really mean in actual fact? <laughs> what it means is... Good luck working that out. What it yeah. means is that... Um, when people came together and said it is, you know, we must not, you know, we must avoid killing civilians, we must protect objects, we must protect sacred sites, um, Australia's like, yes, we sign on to that. Mm. So if we're going to bring a new technology in, we have to do better with that technology at our, um, you know, abiding by these legal structures than, than if we didn't have the technology. So yep. it doesn't matter what that technology is. And it's good because it means you don't have to talk about a specific instantiation of the technology. Like you don't have to say, oh, we like deep learning or, you know, we think Bayesian nets are great. Well, the specifics of the mathematical models or the specifics of the instantiation of technologies is less important than demonstrating the safety case, demonstrating compliance with the laws proving itself. So you want yep. to see these humans with the technologies mm. out in exercises, put ethical risks in them, right? <laughs> Have some civilians. It's just like those old computer games, right? Yes. You're trying to shoot the bad guys and then they're, <laughs> help, help, don't shoot me, right? Yep. Well, you want the human machine teams, if they're, you know, if they're pressed into ethically difficult situations, they yep. make the right choices. Yeah. And if they're not making the right choices, you've got to figure out what do we do wrong? Do yep. we put these people in a situation that they couldn't have made good choices? Yep. Or have we got to tweak things? You know, it's sometimes the humans are not very good at decision-making. Sometimes the machines are not very good at decision-making. We've got to know who, where our strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, I was just going to say that and, and pair them, I guess. You know, work out what do we suck at as humans and, and what are machines good at and, yeah. and let's get the machines to do that and, and we'll exactly. do the stuff we're good at. That's yeah. right. And the key thing about international humanitarian law is it requires that human command, that their cognition, their mind, their thoughts go into decisions around proportionality and discrimination which are the key aspects of uh, choices around use of force and that there's always a human who has made that decision because at the end of the day, war is between humans yep. and they might use technologies or tools as part of their intent to try and achieve some form of political and strategic effect, but it's human-based. You can't just go blaming machines for Not the a things good idea. necessarily. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, Kate, when I got up this morning, I didn't expect to do a podcast talking about ethics, that's for sure. But um, that's been pretty interesting. Hey, um, I've always wanted to ask this question of the TAS DCRC, and I've never had the opportunity, so I'm going to ask it now. How do you decide on the projects that are going to be funded? So, oh, and, the, the, yeah. the, and I guess it can be a simple or an easy answer, but the, the question I guess it comes back to is, um, do you define the problems that Defence is looking for and then apply... Uh, I guess some funding to, to, to meet that problem set or are we just funding good ideas in the industry and kind of hoping that they meet a problem set that Defence has? It's a great question. Another great <laughs> I've question. I've been holding on to that for two oh, years. It's brilliant, it's brilliant. Um, I think the core of the CRC is around the smarts, yep. right? So we're looking around uh, increasingly capable autonomous decision making, yep. which means the robots are not doing simple things. The robots are probably working together 
and doing more complicated tasks and, um, and being able to be more resilient and robust. Uh, so when we're looking at projects, it's a combination of things. Because we're a CRC and yeah. collaboration and cooperation is a core part of what we do, um, it's about, excuse me, it's about where's the most exciting work going on, for example, in a university? Um, where's a really, really innovative industry, you know, SME or, or, or other, you know, what are they doing? Oh, you know, like you've got that big painting robot, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, awesome, big painting robot. Well, I wonder what else they could do, right? Yeah, so you sort of go, okay. well, what are the affordances of the technologies that the company's building? What's their mission? What do yep. they want? Yep. How do we build them? So we always are thinking about the industry, but we think about, well, what researchers do we know? How could we augment what that robotics industry is doing with some other kind of research, for example? Yep. Um, and then before we get too far along that path, we always check in with our ADF partners. Yeah, okay. Right? We're always checking in constantly, like APIs, bing, bing, <laughs> bing. Right? We're always checking in. It's always a dialogue. And uh, the projects basically form by a conversation between, uh, and also DST, so uh, yep. researchers in defence, researchers in academia, industry-based, and our ADF friends, and we socialise ideas. We trim them, prune them, change them, adapt them until they get to a place where everyone's like, oh, we see the value in what this is. We're willing to invest in it. Yep. And, uh, but we're going to make sure that the industry gets to uh, be the lead and that it's about building their business because we are focused around the business. And sovereign capability or are we looking at overseas? Sovereign, sovereign all the way. So I knew the answer to that one, but I was going to make sure yeah. we, we put that one in too. Yeah, no, we're really excited about Australian manufacturing and uh, and the smarts particularly. Yeah. Some of the stuff we've just seen here today, BIA5 and those sort of guys are just doing the most amazing stuff. And, um, you know, I think there's always a... Well, I shouldn't say always, but there's a tendency to think, well, large international prime is the way we have to go because that's the way you know we've always gone. And, and I think that you know COVID has been a good thing in, in some respects that it's kind of shifted thinking to say, we're pretty smart in this country and we've got some pretty good people doing things. Is that what you're seeing as well from your side? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the vision that uh, Jason Schultz you know, had mm. at the beginning um, was to build up those SMEs. And, and Jason's and the CEO of the... He's the CEO yep. of the centre. Um, so COVID's catching up with Jason, I think. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but no, it's always been the dream to um, provide the level of support that SMEs haven't necessarily had uh, without the CRC. I mean, we've got to provide some value at the CRC, yep. right? Um, and sometimes when you're a small company, you know, well, always when you're a small company, you run off your feet, you're working really hard, you know, you're going to bed at night thinking about the problems you've got to solve, you don't have enough staff to do the things you need to yeah. do, right? And so what, what could you use? And, you know, it's like, well, you could probably use a bit of um, contractual support, yep. liaising with universities or um, networks, connecting to ADF, making sure you know the right people to have a chat to, um, you know, how can we help you with things like setting up ethical considerations or legal considerations from the start? Um, so it's about sort of providing some level of, of care nurturing yeah. to those sovereign industries so they look like the big guys, yep. right? There's no difference in our poster sizes, yep. right? The poster for a small business and a prime will look exactly the same yep. because the projects are around building smarts into our autonomous systems and that's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult no matter yeah. who you are. It really is and particularly the difficulty when you're doing something game-changing that's never been done before is how you manage... Uh, the challenges of things turning up that you didn't anticipate, which they will, yep. and how do you adapt and adjust to that? And sometimes the smaller companies are more agile than the bigger ones. Yeah, and, and we've definitely seen companies who, who haven't necessarily realised the full potential of what they're doing because, you know, business owners, and as you said before, these business owners are just head down, you oh. know, getting the work done and, yeah. and they actually don't look up above the horizon to actually see what's possible. And um, it's great to hear that's kind of what the, the CRC 
is doing as well. Yeah, yeah, Jason's great. You know, he'll look at a technology in the way it is and then he'll give you like five different or ten different ways that it could be. Yeah, okay, fantastic. That's really cool. Hey, we caught up with you guys at Autonomous Warrior um, mm-hmm. with Navy recently, which was a really great event to go along to. What are you guys looking for in those events? You're looking at, at um, scenarios and, and, and what defence is looking at from a future perspective. What are you taking away from those events? Yeah, well, uh, so Autonomous Warrior 2018 was the first um, of these events that Jason and uh, Paul Hornsby put together. Um, and what was striking about that event in 2018, which was really large, um, was bringing together industry and defence together and to demonstrate some of these capabilities and get the sort of feedback. It's really hard to get feedback on technologies unless they're sort of in motion. Yeah. See it with your own two eyes. Yeah. yeah. No. And look, defence has known this for a very long time. They know that you need to put people with the kit, see it in action, put them under a bit of stress, yeah. you know, um, and you're like, oh, we've got the, we've got the cable, you know. Yeah. Oh, no. Or <laughs> Which like, box is that in? Yeah, what box is this in? Oh, geez, this is not very water resistant, is it, right? <laughs> so you've got to put it out there, you know, sort of in the mud, as it were, yeah. um, and see how it goes in a lower risk environment in terms of your testing of it uh, and to sort of market and promote and educate people. I mean, a lot of serving personnel um, want to serve their country, but serving their country in radically changing times. And, you know, the strategic update in 2020 really sort of put the screw on Australia to say, look, we've got to accelerate, like, now. (laughs) We can't wait 40 years for the next big platforms to be around. Particularly in unmanned, autonomous, you know, systems, robotics, AI. And they're cheap, comparatively, right? I mean, some of these high-altitude HAPS balloons, they're (laughs) $1,000, right? Compare that to a Triton. Yeah. So what we can do with the small and the many, lots of little systems, right, with a lot of smarts, yep. deployed cheap, attritable, you know, moving together, working collaboratively with humans within, you know, trusted parameters of our operations. Nobody wants an uncontrolled thing out there not doing what they want. You know, commanders want their soldiers to do what they're asking them to do and they also want their robots to be doing what they want them to do as well. Yep. So uh, the autonomous warriors in the future... Well, I think we're going to want to see uh, Australian sovereign industry be able to demonstrate what they're up, what they're doing yep. to get crucial feedback, you know, in situ mm. from from key uh, stakeholders, um, for people to see how they react to the situation and to go back and then to reiterate. So it's a really faster feedback loop. So next year, uh, Navy wants to put on four autonomous warriors, yeah. and that's to try and drive that innovation cycle faster. Yep. And to try and get you know runs on the board. Yeah, and they're, they're great events. You know, we, we were out there as well with you guys and a bunch of others, and mm. it's just great to get out with some of these small SMEs and see them get put through their you know, put through their hoops at the same time. Um, how uh, and I know we're, we're going to run short of time, and, and you've got places to be as well, Kate. Yeah. So I appreciate your time. How can industry engage? What's what's the best way to, to get in in contact with you guys, or or even just have a chat and, and see what people you guys think? I mean, look, the easiest way is just to send an email to info at tasdcrc.com.au. Um, send along your, your pitch deck or something, you <laughs> yep. know, slides. Your quad chart, your you know, whatever it um, is. Uh, and, and look at the aims and objectives of the CRC. So I think it's about well, who are you as a company and go to the CRC webpage, that's tasdcrc.com.au. There's a little sort of summary about, you know, who we are and what we're doing and everything else. And if you feel like there's some ally- uh, synergy there and you could sort of see yourself amongst what we do, um, yeah, send us an email and just introduce yourself and say, look, we'd love to do, for example, uh, something with um, you know, research that's, that's game-changing and high risk. We're interested in that. We think that it would be good for us to be a part of that. Um, we're interested in, in uh, 
developing our relationship for defence contracts and, and, and building that, that capability, you know, we'd like to see where that goes. Um, start the conversation. Yeah, and see where it goes from there. Yeah. Well, I think what you guys are doing is great. I really enjoy coming along to your activities. I love chatting to you, Kate, because it's always an, an informative <laughs> discussion hearing you speak. So, um, look, thanks so much for taking the time this morning and, and having a chat you know, in between things. And um, hopefully the, the rest of today goes well and, and we'll be off to the next thing. Yeah, well, congratulations on your sponsorship of the event. It's uh, you know great to see an SME uh, being front and centre. Yeah, we're just... Um, you know, I guess we, we wanted to sponsor this and we, and we like what, what World Jones is trying to do and, and us as an SME ourselves, we're trying to put ourselves forward and, and the whole podcast series is about education. So we, we're trying to drive the, the need and the want um, and, you know, for, for unmanned systems more broadly and we don't think that's through a lack of need, we think that's through a lack of education in the industry. Right. So right. we're trying to do different ways of getting the word out there. Right, so what do you want out of this? What do you, what do you want people to know who are listening about Mirrigan? About Mirrigan? Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're a you know, true Australian sovereign capability. Um, we're a small company having a crack. We've got a, a genuine footprint in Australia. We, we reinvest in our people. Um, we're not just trying to be a, a you know, one or two shop and, and do nothing else. We, we want to make a difference in the defence. You know, we've got two sides of the business. We've got a defence side and we've got a non-defence side. And mm-hmm. in the defence side, it's all about providing good outcomes for defence. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all veterans on that side of the business. Um, we, we've seen the good and the bad and the ugly from industry. Um, and, and I keep saying genuine a lot and, and honesty. And I think that that's something the business can take away. And um, the other thing we're doing is partnering with people. So I, I despise the typical the typical model of business where people just subcontract and they pretend that they do everything. Mirrigan doesn't do everything. We, we don't fly drones. We don't do training. But we have companies like um, uh, Remote Aviation Australia who do training. We've got, we're partnering with another company, Prodigus Australia, another company, Aerist, on another project with Defence that we won. So as opposed to us pretending we do all those things, we want to put those other Australian small, you know, veteran-owned SMEs up at the front as well. So, well, wait, what makes you different then? If someone has never heard of you before, and we're like, oh, you, do you make drones? Do you? What's what's the difference maker? I think the difference is that we're system agnostic, platform agnostic, and, and we're on the client side. So we we don't go into a conversation with a preconceived idea about a solution. And we've got a, a specific specific piece of IP around the Mirrigan Cog, and it's all about the problem. And we hear a lot of people, and, and this is why I like the stuff you guys are doing too. We we have a there's a lot of good people building stuff and putting stuff together, and then they they try to sell it, and they try to take it to someone. And my first question is when I talk to these people about how to get into defence, it's what's the problem you're trying mm-hmm. to solve? What are you trying to do? And if they can't answer that, the only way you're going to sell it, you know, you're going to get into defence and do things, is if you're solving a problem that's keeping someone awake at night. If you can't solve <laughs> that problem, then it's going to be a hard sell. And, and so we 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 say we're client side system agnostic um, unbiased advice and, and so we don't you know play in the below the line space as well we don't have systems where we're going to try and force our system and I think that's where the industry's gone wrong in the past I think people have come in and done consulting and, mm-hmm. and they've done a consulting piece around what's your problem what's your solution set and then funnily enough my solution is your perfect solution yeah, that solution then sucks and all of a sudden the, the client thinks that drones suck and it's like well it's not the case it's just been approached in the wrong way so um, that's what we're trying to bring so do you have expertise in your team that you think no one else has got? Yeah, we've got some really deep unmanned systems expertise, particularly yeah. from the defence side. Um, you know, our MD, Rob Sutton, is, is probably the key one of that. He's done a hell of a lot of work in defence around unmanned systems through certification, engineering requirements, operational concept documents, um, project, project management, program management, etc., etc. 
and and we're actually bringing that out of the defence and we're trying to put that into the commercial sector to say the commercial sector's growing and, and we need people with that right. really good experience. Right, right, right. Um, so then we've got engineers. Um, you know, we, we've currently got someone in Air 7003 working, um, doing some work in, in Air Force as well um, and across a broad broad range of projects. So yeah. who's, who, who's, who's a client for you? Give me an example of a client. What does a client come up to you and ask for? So we've... The couple of, last couple of days have been really interesting. Mm. Um, what we're finding is kind of two different clients. Um, one, people who have done it before and it hasn't gone well, and so they're trying to work out... Sorry, done what before? Maybe done drones or unmanned systems. So or you mean they've purchased some drones and they've tried yeah. to solve a problem with them? Yep, and, and they've ended worked. up in the shed? Yep, and they've ended up <laughs> on, on a shelf and, and never been touched again. Okay. And sometimes that's due to poor advice they've been, they've been given as well. And then we've got other people who have significant aspirations we want to get to, to way out here in the future, and they don't know how to get there... Um, and typically it gets handballed to someone and that person handballs that project to someone else and it just goes down the line and all of a sudden you've got this one person who's holding this, this footy in their hand sort of going, how do I solve this? Mm-hmm. And so we, we look at that and we work with the client to determine what's your long-term goals, where do you want to be in three, five years' time with this? You know, if we're doing... Um, you know, we're, we're setting up a hub for a last uh, last mile delivery type type company. So that that's our long state. That's our long objective. So how do we how do we chunk that up? And so how do we say, well, there's there's a lot of gates to get through here. So let's have a look at this first chunk. Let let's solve that and let's get to this milestone, and then we'll go to the next chunk. And so what that also does is it allows them to stage funding for mm-hmm. these type of programs. We're not asking, you know, we as a, a supplier or as a consultant, we're not asking for all this money up front. And if we run into a you know, run into a, a door at one point and we need to slow down, we can slow down. Um, so yeah, that's what we're finding a lot here is people are, are learning more and more that they can be used in different ways, but don't know how to get there. Yeah, okay. Gee, that turned around, didn't it? Oh well, <laughs> thanks for that. We're here for industry. I was like, damn, I've got to get my answers right. Hey, Rob doesn't listen I to this. Know where, I want to know what you're <laughs> So what's your one what's your one sentence tagline? Um, I always go back to the client-side unbiased system agnostic advice, um, which for me is is part of the genuine nature of what we're trying to do. We, we're not trying to flog a specific product. We're, right. we're there for the client. We're on the client side. And so we do a lot of work around test and evaluation, um, yeah, so project, project program management, engineering, operational user requirements, OCD development, and then through to scenario development and other bits and pieces. So we've got a good mix. I'm not an engineer. Rob's our, our smart guy, smartest guy in the room, I always say, and, um, and I'm never the smartest guy in the room, but I've got the operational side you know, sure. covered as well. So we're, You need we're multiple a good mix. people in a team. You do. That's Diverse why I always, team. That's why I always speak about Jason and Simon because, you know, between us we can usually answer the questions. Yep. And we handball when, we, uh, when we're in Struggle Street. Yep. And we all struggle with different streets. <laughs> but I think it's, it's being, you know, the important part there is being self-aware. You know, yeah. I know that I'm not the engineering Correct. guy that can design engineering Correct. management systems. So I'm never going to sell myself as that. But I know that Rob is that guy or I know that Neil is that guy or I know that, you know, that people have got different strengths. Um, I can project manage the hell out of anything, you know, no problem at all. But, um, and other people are not good at project management. They stress out, you know, when it's a very defined environment, um, typically the engineers at times. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all about understanding you know what you're good at and what you're bad at great yeah excellent all right thanks very much kate really appreciate you coming along and and having a chat yeah it's been great have a great day cheers you too thanks